Blog Talk Radio. Did you know that elders and others are losing their rights to liberty and property? Anyone can petition a court to have a person deemed incapacitated. What if that person is you? The adult guardianship system was created to protect incompetent people and their assets. A court-appointed guardian, sometimes a total stranger, can force you into a nursing home and sell your home to pay for services. Treasured belongings can disappear as you are drugged and isolated from loved ones. Why does this happen? Unfortunately, the courts don't have the funding to supervise and audit cases. A guardian makes all decisions decisions on your behalf, taking control of your assets with little accountability. The potential for abuse is frightening. Luckily, not all guardians exploit those under their care, but when they do, there's really nowhere to go for help. The National Association to Stop Guardian Abuse, NASGA, is working to reform adult guardianship to return it to its once noble purpose of protecting the human rights to life, liberty, and property and ending financial exploitation of assets. Are you or your loved ones protected? To learn more, visit StopGuardianAbuse.org. Good evening, everyone. This is Marty Oakley, and we're back again talking about guardianship. I don't know how bad this has to get before we can get somebody to move and do something. Um, We've got many bills coming out, none of them worth a crap. If you've read the bills, then please, please, please read the bills. Don't go by the title, because that's meant to entice you and induce you. Read the actual text. And what you will find in there should make your skin crawl most times. We have yet to see any bill that calls for the abolishment of probate because it is so corrupt. We have nothing that criminalizes isolation, uh, which is done all the time, but prohibited in every state in the statutes. Uh, We've got all this stuff going on and people screaming across the country, going to their senators and representatives, their governors, the Department of Justice, everywhere and yet these people sit on their hands and when they do come out with something it's nothing that benefits people targeted in this system and please remember that as a ward of the state prisoners are wards of the state your loved one whoever it is mom dad grandma grandpa is a prisoner in this system and treated as such only they're not treated with as much respect and care as we do felons course we're finding out that life in prison ain't so hot either but anyway with all of this going on in that uh, promo that plays at the beginning for NASCA which I'm glad to do but the one thing I object to in it where it says not all guardians are bad if you're talking about professional guardians I've waited 14 years for somebody to bring me the name of just one just one that isn't a predator still haven't got that name Uh, This has gone on for years and years. If it wasn't for the Internet, and they scream about it, if it wasn't for Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and all that, this would have run under the radar. And just like most of you who encountered it and talked about it now and faced with it after the debacle with um, Britney Spears, the movie I Care A Lot off of Netflix, those of you who sat there and said, oh, you must have done something wrong or this wouldn't have happened. No, you didn't have to do anything wrong. You just happened to be there. And you just happened to have somebody in your life who had assets for somebody else. And that's what this is about. This is a hostage situation. How these people in guardianship are treated is absolutely a national disgrace. Unfortunately, they're doing this same thing globally. We hear from people all over the globe about they're doing the same thing here This is a culling of the elderly, but they want to rob them blind before they leave. That's the way I see it. 
Anyway, our guest tonight is Peggy Dupree, and she's been with us before, and she'll be with us as regularly as possible as we move forward. Um, She's going to be discussing alternatives to guardianship in the USA Guardianship Task Force. Peggy is probably one of the hardest-fighting advocates out there, and what she has learned and has imparted to people about the law and who's doing what and how they're doing it and why they're not doing what they should is absolutely stunning in its volume. So with that, Peggy, how you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, you're exactly Good. right, Marty. Uh, there's no accountability. Uh, so many uh, victims have contacted their senators, uh, politicians, the judicial um, qualifications, uh, law enforcement, and it's just a blind ear to what is yes. really going on here. And yeah. what is happening now is through the research, we can now confirm that guardianship is a racketeering enterprise. And tonight, I'm going to be able to prove that to you, okay? Mm-hmm. We have some bills okay. that will be coming out in 2022. And those bills is going to take all your rights away from you, and the state will own you. You cannot escape this, these bills. It's very shocking that we don't have millions of people on the street marching, demanding this be abolished. Uh, we have several bills that I would like to talk about, about the Senate Bill 1010. I decided to bring that back up tonight a little. And the H Bill 845 and the Senate Bill 1032. Now, what this is going to be covering is sort of like a UCC common law, Marty. Where okay. Now, once this gets passed through in January, uh, it's going to be a jurisdiction for guardianship proceedings, and it's going to be called the Florida Guardianship Jurisdiction Act. And what that is going to inform is where they can come get the prisoner, which is the ward, anywhere in any state. Liquidate your state. Start communicating with other um, counties, other states, and stuff. And this is going to be such a huge growth of fraud going on. It's going to be unbelievable. But what they had to do, these brilliant attorneys had to sit down at the table because so many people out there in the United States were catching them doing racketeering. These attorneys and, and uh, doctors and, and some bad judges. Okay? So they had to come up with a way to make sure that they don't fall under the racketeering enterprise. So this is what they came up with to be able to conceal the criminal activities they will be doing in these guardianship proceedings and support decision-making plans also. Let's not forget that. So tonight, uh, I'm going to go over a little bit, and then if you want to ask me a question, Marty, let me know. Uh, The way it's going to work with the HB HB 845 is going to call the Florida Guardianship Jurisdiction Act. It provides that foreign uh, counties is to be treated as a state authorized courts of this to communicate with courts of another state. You see what I'm talking about? To make certain requests providing witnesses located in another state may be disposed or testified by a certain means provides. They leave that vague, so we you have to. It's going to be a discretion up to the judge judges. Factors for courts to consider when determining a significant connection with another state 
provides when courts have exclusive and continuing jurisdiction over a proceeding, when courts can decline a jurisdiction, provide when the courts have exclusive continuing jurisdiction over proceedings, and when the courts can decide jurisdiction, provide rules for when a petition for appointment or a guardian is filed in the state can then, then the state can provide for a transfer of the guardian. So like say if you're in North Carolina and they decide they want to get you in Florida, you're coming to Florida, okay? It's very scary what they're doing with these bills, and people need to start contacting their senators tomorrow complaining about what is happening because what is going to happen is you may say tonight, well, this is in Florida. How is this going to affect me? The way they have it rolled up in this claim bill, it's going to be a UCC, a common law, all over the United States, Marty. So they can come and get you and, and, and put you in a guardianship, liquidate your assets, and share it between the states. If this is, Peggy, isn't this just a reworking of what we call the uniform commercial law? Um, they had that uniform yeah. law they were trying to get passed, uniform guardianship law, and um, which would have been, and as I understand it with that, um, commitment to it by the states was voluntary. But in either case, either with the bill or the uniform law, the state loses its right to make its own decisions about these things. And so everybody is under the same umbrella. Am I wrong? Well, under this H-45, uh, the state uh, the, the states will debate it. They'll go in a debate discussion to decide who has jurisdiction over the ward. Now, say you're here for three weeks. Then you may fall just, – just because you may be vacationing down here – then they can take you over jurisdiction. You understand what I'm saying about North Carolina? Okay. So they're going to have to do like a witness testimony uh, from different states. Who really has legal ownership of you? Is it North yes. Carolina or is it Florida? So you have to be very careful. I want people to think before they buy any real estate this coming year, because most people at Christmas time, they always go out and buy new homes, real estate, cars and stuff. This will affect you. Once this is passed next month, everything will affect you, and they can they can uh, liquidate your assets. It's very scary. Too many questions. And then they, the only thing they're going to be doing is debating what state's going to take it. Yeah. My God, this is and just. It's Go ahead. unbelievable, Marty, what is taking place, and we have to all unite and start having rallies and petitions. I'm working on a petition. And uh, and I also have a contact number. I want people to start reaching out at that Facebook, the business Facebook page, USC, okay. uh, USA Guardianship Task Force. It has my email address and a telephone number. And what we're doing is we're lobbyists and we're doing a federal and state administration reform uh, guardianship lobbyists where we're trying to detect where all the fraud is coming so we can take it all on a federal level and, and get these folks you know, uh, taken care of that right. has been injured in these fraudulent guardianships. They are forcing people under distress into, and what people, they mislead the public. Like you said, that once the word is given to the state, they have custody, they have ownership. Once that petition goes through, you no longer have custody of your loved ones. 
all of your assets nope. get put in a, a trust, and it's a guardianship. And what it's called is an initial account, accounting for inventory. And the insurance check is awaiting the deposit into the guardianship account. Should be listed in the verified inventory. So they have a bond on you, okay, already. As soon as you get that petition, they go out and say you're worth $2 million. They have to cover that bond. Okay, that bond secures the court from liability. So uh, they are protected from lawsuits and stuff. This is some of the okay. ways of getting around uh, being sued. So they okay. have set this up to the point where it's a locked-in system. They will win, and you will lose. And this is why we have to abolish this guardianship program and the decision-making. You cannot fix this. It cannot be fixed. No. There's too much loopholes in it for corruption that I'm finding. Well, well, Peggy, the thing is, it was never set up. You know, this thing about it once had a noble purpose. No, it didn't. It has always, for more than a thousand years, been a system of landing on someone you saw, usually the king or the pope or, you know, somebody. Um, it's landing on somebody who had assets you wanted and saying, well, they need our protection. And basically, they took them prisoner. Most of them, up until about 200 years ago, were starved to death. They just put them in a cell somewhere and they consumed their assets. It never has had a noble purpose. It should have. It should have. I agree with that. But if you are actually going to uh, do something like this to help someone, wouldn't you work hard to preserve their rights, to preserve their assets, to make sure they were protected? But that isn't what happens at all. Have you noticed in these guardianships, every single one of them is to isolate Medicaid, the victims, it's, it's the same pattern they're doing. And it's so scary because they don't want the ward to ever excel. There's no education. No. There's no programs put forth in them. There's no medical treatment. It's just a lot of psychotic medications they're giving these elderly people and these are young adults. It's not just the elderly they're targeting. They're targeting right. everyone. And it's very scary out there. And what is more scary is when the Senate Bill 1010 uh, is going to be presented uh, next month, you, everybody needs to be cautious because it's going to be a form and it's going to be called a statutory, a statutory consent. You don't want to sign that because you're your federal right to yourself, to your home, your land, your bank account, and you will never get it again because you now have uh, – taking away all your rights and giving it to the state that you live in, and you can't appeal this. Once you sign it, it's a done deal. Okay, and what is it called again, Peggy? It's the Senate Bill 1010. Okay, and but the statutory right thing that they want you to sign, is there a name for it, an actual name for it? That is the name for it. Okay, all right. That's what I wanted to find and then, out. And then what uh, happens is – go ahead. No, you go ahead. What happens is once you sign the statutory, it, it gives you in great de- details in Florida what it's going to do. It, it actually tells you you will not, if they harm you, you're murdered, you ki- they don't go into murder, but if you're harmed, the word is harmed in it, you waive your right for liability. You can't sue the state. You cannot sue a third party. You can't sue the physicians. You can't sue the professional guardians. It's fixed. 
to protect the state, not the ward that it was pretended to be set up in the first place. So it's a very right. dangerous form. I know several people that Betty has talked to, and they've said they've already signed it, and they have no clue what they signed. It's and oh they're and they're exporting people. Jiminy Christmas. So, and Peggy, aren't they? Because, in, in several of these bills, isn't there a provision? And I heard some of the, um, like the Supreme Court of various states, because uh, even though these are tribunals, these are not courts of laws, they are running them up now under the Supreme Court of each state or the district court. And they said that because guardians and attorneys are officers of the court that means they have immunity just like that hearing examiner no you don't the constitution said the laws will be applied equally to all men it doesn't say if you're a work you're working a racket in the court you get immunity no you don't have immunity no one is immune from the law and we have to stop accepting this and we have to start challenging that yeah and that's what we want to do on a federal level to to get away from all these statutes because it is harming the public, Marty. And just yeah. like this 1032, the Florida Guardianship 1032 bill that will be also coming out, I I made some notes that I want to go over and we'll talk about okay. this, why this is this will be going to the UCC common laws. They are going to be like a intro um, um, uh, connected. Each state will now be connected and. And it's like a racketeering. Right. If you study the RICO law, anybody out there that studies the RICO law, what is happening is these lawyers realize that the public is aware of the schemes that they are doing. Insider traded is. The judges are aware of what's going on because this could not be going on if the judges was not controlling it. I mean, they, right. cannot, they cannot all be incompetent. I mean, we need to get evaluations on judges every year to evaluate to make sure that they're fit to represent the public. Uh, that's the first thing I would recommend. Uh, and then I would recommend that attorneys get a mental evaluation as well and an audit of their stuff yearly because you, you get someone that maybe make sixty to $80,000 off their you know, uh, law practice, but then they come out every year making millions of dollars. Where's that money coming? And why is it nobody's questioning this? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, uh, we had an article up on BPJ here recently uh, that a man had written up, and he said there's one sure way to clean up the judiciary. And he said that that is make it a law that every judge has got to take a lie detector test before they can be seated again for the next year. And That's he said idea. that, and I agree with that. You give him a lie detector test. Um, have you taken bribes? Have you, you know, rigged a case? Have you done this, that, something else? And if you fail that test, you're gone. And uh, but the idea too, like when we get these judges and stuff cornered on the rare occasions they have, um, they're allowed to resign rather than be fired, so that they keep all their benefits. And, um, well, and, through the, and through the policy with the DOJ, that is the problem. We need to uh, defund the DOJ because they yep. are the ones that are harming the public by writing these policies. So when a complaint comes into their office about a public official committing a crime, they have policies in place to notify them instead of taking it to 
the uh, inspector general and the FBI to investigate this complaint, they go straight to the perpetrator that is this, is, is uh, committing these crimes. And what they do is they give them a recommend uh, um, a sanction or a warning. They don't go to prison for any crimes they do. And these are federal yep. crimes too. I'm aware of they, they've done. Yep. And and then uh, they just say, well, we de- we just need to change the policies and stuff. And then they make recommendations. The chief judge will say, well, since you actually got caught, let's let you escape by retiring so you don't lose any of your benefits. And yes. if you continue staying, then we're going to have to investigate you, and then you'll be going to prison. So we don't want that. We don't want you to be punished for you committing these federal crimes against these yeah. people that you're supposed to uphold the law to. So we're just going to yeah. let you retire and, and get by with these crimes and continue. We need to remove right. immunity from all judges and delete magistrates. I'll tell you why. Yes. Magistrates do not hold. You cannot do anything to a magistrate because they don't they don't go through the same process as a judge does with a qualification, a judicial qualification commission. So we need to def- get rid of the magistrates. They're useless to us because if they harm someone, they don't get they don't get far. They can continue on, but a judge right. gets caught. They let them retire, but a magistrate, she, she or he, just keeps on doing what they're doing. So we need to eliminate those bad apples. Okay, I I agree with all of that. And the thing is, um, like I say, this whole question of immunity, there's no question there. You don't have immunity, and when you're in a public position, where you have an effect on members of the public. If you use that position to harm them, you're guilty of malfeasance, and that means using your position to harm the public. And they, why aren't they subject to it? This, this was written for them. There, there is so much in this that absolutely is so crooked. You know, and the other thing, too, one of the things you guarantee about people working with your USA Guardianship Task Group is that you will not share their information and That's what we critical. have seen with yes what we've seen in other places with task force is and many times it's the glory hogs will turn over all these cases they've conned people out of and here are all these cases and what they do is they do read them and they go through them and find where they found a weakness in the system and tried to use it to break the the guardianship and then they before it be, without saying anything to you, they go into the statute and fix that so that doesn't happen again. Um, and, and you don't so, want to hand out. Go ahead. Go ahead. They make, I, I'm sorry, but I just they. You're 100 percent right, Marty. They make the victim feel like they're they're there to help them, but actually, in reality, they're there to steal their evidence to take it to the legislation bodies for them to correct it, and then these people get kickbacks off of whistleblowers. So. The U.S. Yeah. guardianship is very clear, and we state exactly what we do, and we inform you. You know, we preserve your evidence so it can't be spoiled. Um, we tell you we're not a law firm. We're a lobbyist firm. That's totally different. Mm-hmm. And we tell you to consult your attorney. They can look at our questionnaires. Mm-hmm. They can, we, we're very clear about what we're doing and our uh, yeah. mission is. So, yep. you know, we're not going to take advantage of people. I do not affiliate with anyone that will take a victim's evidence. And then, you know, if they're not a law firm, you have no business with it. 
if you, right. if we're doing a legislation reform, you consult with your attorney. We work with attorney with a, a consent form stating that we're working together. We can't take your evidence and give it to anyone because you're litigating right. your case. So that's right. very important for people to understand. These advocacy groups, they're asking for people's evidence. They're not trained professionals in law degree, and they should not be giving – they should not be requesting that. Right. Right. There you go. And, it, you know, we see this all the time, uh, this going on. And another thing, too, I just got a message here about the ward being a prisoner. That is, look up the definition of ward of the state. It means prisoner. And That's cool. as such, you are property. You have been deprived of all your constitutional rights. You have been deprived of the law. And they are holding you hostage in there with the intent of extorting you which is what they do. They hit your estate for absolutely everything. And I still say, Peggy, one of the most insidious, sick parts of this whole thing is targeting someone and then making them pay you to attack them. Uh, having Using people's own estate to pay what they claim are the costs of targeting them and, and taking them hostage uh, is absolutely sick. And by the way, every time that judge hears, and they're not judges, they're hearing, judge has a specific legal definition, and they deal with the law. What you're dealing with is a hearing examiner, a ministerial clerk, or a magistrate. They don't have to have any background in law, and because they're not well, dealing with law, they're dealing with statute and code. Say what? I said I just learned something new tonight. Yeah, and um, so these are, and they they are many times affiliated with the same agencies you fight. Now, every time one of these bogus attorneys makes a motion, and the judge will always accept it, and the reason he will accept it is because every time that motion comes in in front of that court, that judge makes 2 to 3%. If you're on the East Coast, you get to the West Coast, it's 5 to 6%. They tap the estate for considering that motion. So, see, they're making money, too off of the estate and the, like I say the idea that the person who has been targeted who is being victimized is forced to pay their captors all their expenses and there's no cap on expenses there's no uh, it can be as ridiculous and uh, obviously fraudulent as it can be and yet the estate is still forced to pay it um, this and needs has, to stop have you ever noticed something Marty that by law in these guardianship cases, when they start verifying the assets, they're supposed to give an insurance bond. And if you request right. it, they're supposed to provide that to you. And I have not seen one victim with that information. Have you? No. Nope. And uh, it's just like when they, and one of the other parts of this that upsets me, too, is these predators can stand in that tribunal and levy all sorts of charges against their targeted victim. They can say, oh, they were living in filth and squalor. They were covered with urine and, and feces. They were starving to death. Many times, these people cannot identify the person they are targeting, much less provide any documentation that what they're claiming is true. The really sick part of it is they're never asked for evidence, and they don't have to provide any. They said it. It goes into the record as if it was a spoken truth. And you and tried to get by with that, that through the DCS. Yes. 
yes, yes. And yeah, what's really alarming is when they just recently signed an executive order down here in Florida, uh, I talk a lot about Florida because it's a very corrupted state in guardianship, yes. okay? I'm a victim of that state. And um, what happened is the DOJ signed a, a policy with the Department of Children and Family Protective Services, which law enforcement is over them with investigation, and they made sure that it's, it cannot be disclosed only to the agencies uh, and confidential. So it's already rigged as a one-sided, and that's why I said the Department of Justice, we need to defund them because they're not protecting the public. I mean, we're giving right. millions and trillions of dollars for this DOJ to operate to protect the national security, and I don't see them doing that. Do you? No. No. Yeah, no. No. Um... They, it, we we are under attack. You know, it's been here a couple of years ago when I really started. I mean, the show goes everywhere. We have a large audience in Australia. We have one in England, France, Germany, Japan. And what I'm hearing is they're doing the same thing here. They're doing so. I started digging. It took me a little while, and I find out that there is a international corporation called ICOR, capital I, capital K, capital O, capital mm. R. ICOR, and they their byline is um, make fast, easy, consistent money. Get it, learn how to do guardianships and conservatorships, and this is the uh, global corporation that's running this system. And then, of course, you have the counterparts in government who are facilitating this. And the only conclusion I can come to, Peggy, honestly, is that. They want rid of the elderly. There's estimated to be somewhere between 60 and 70 million elderly people, people over 60, in this country. And since most of us are no longer taxable, we're you know a drag on society. We need to we need to be gone. And, uh, and if you can't, that, ex- Marty, yeah, they want ahead. to make sure that they still our Social Security benefits that we paid in many many years. Yes. And then they keep it in the system and they earn interest and we never receive any of that money so that is defrauding the social security administration account right. and terrible what they're doing and you know people well, need to wake up and understand that this needs to stop and and i have discovered that when i was researching all this information before we we uh, had the show tonight is what uh japan is they're they're following their models and writing these laws for this S Senate 1032 and H mm-hmm. uh, 845, they went over to Japan and started getting, started comparing what they're doing to the victims over there. So they yes. started following their plans on how they're going to take over us and actually own us. And right. and if people would go to these Senate uh, sites and review it, it clearly states that they will own you. You cannot sue them. They will take your right. assets. I mean, it's, it really it spells it out in English for them that, you know, this is what's going to happen. And I'm just amazed that, that people are signing up, letting people own them. Right. Well, and the other thing, too, uh, somebody tried to argue me down that uh, that wasn't true. And, and you can go to the Supreme Court. No, you can't. No, the you Supreme can't Court, no, will not hear these cases especially if they're in REM, meaning in motion in the state, and they keep them in motion continually. But the other reason is that 
These cases are the property and control of the state. You have been redefined as a piece of property. You're no longer, and do not refer to yourself as a person. That is a corporate term. It is a non-living entity. There again, look up the definition. And an individual you can get away with, but you always use the phrase, um, the living, breathing man or woman. Uh, this identifies you as a human being. And uh, But this is, I, I've learned so much, a lot of it from John LeCron about how this law thing works. It's a, it's a bunch of doublespeak. It's, they are speaking a foreign language. Uh, it's an antiquated language. It's, you know, everything is this old Latin. And, um, and it, it, like something is void in abonito, meaning from the beginning. Why don't you say from the beginning? Exactly. You know, if it's in rem, if it's in rem, meaning in motion, why don't you say in motion? But the whole but thing is rigged. That. Yeah, Confuse go ahead. The, the, the person, the average yes. reader, they do that intentionally. Yes. And, and they do do that. It's called word art. And um, they, every, any time, like when you look at legislation and words that are common to you, what a common meaning is, I always use the example of, it used to be when they wrote a bill, it says it said that somebody may do this or that, meaning they could or they couldn't, was not a direct command. So they replaced that word with shall. They shall do this or that. Well, the Supreme Court said, you know, that could be go either way. That is not necessarily a command. So the word you have to use is must. You must not do this or you must do that. That's a direct command. But this is what I'm saying. They they change the, the context and meaning of these words, and it's done for no other reason than to sidestep the law and to confuse you because you don't know exactly. in what context they're using that word. And um, so when you're going through, always, if you know, always look up terms. What is the common I agree. Under, uh, understanding? One of the things with these 1032s, yeah. I want people to start thinking – they sat and they schemed these brilliant attorneys did, okay, you know, of all these, uh, all the fraud that's being made. And I want to read some stuff to you, and then I want to start talking about RICO, because a lot of people may not understand what a RICO enterprise is, and I feel it's okay. critical that I share that information and I uh, okay. tell you some of the warning signs to look at, because it could be happening right now in your case and you don't realize it. If that is immediately for that attorney and seek another attorney and get out of that state you're in because it's a racketeering they're doing in your case, uh, you may hear the terminology uh, back and forth of uh, mail fraud, uh, wire fraud, interstate commerce. This is what they're starting to do with this bill, uh, Senate Bill 1032, interstate commerce, where they're taking the prisoner or the ward back and forth from different uh, States now, and they're able to legally do that, just like a, a, a murderer. You know, like if he commits yeah. murder in Florida, they can uh, act, um, what it, what's it called? Um, extradite them back, excuse me, mm-hmm. to that state. And these wars are actually prisoners, and it's very scary that people don't understand what is happening. And yeah. I'm hoping to share this information, and you can understand. So this is a racketeering enterprise, and they're making it legal to do. So, like, say, if you do discover that an attorney or a judge or a doctor is committing racketeering, 
they're going to waive it through these Senate bills because because it's labeled the Jurisdiction Act, the Florida Guardianship Jurisdiction Act. So that is going to really cause trillions um, trillions of dollars to be defrauded because of how they're setting this up. Okay. And you know, and this 1032 yeah. Senate bill, they have some sections in there that I want to talk about. Then I want to talk okay. about racketeering enterprises and stuff okay. and guardianship cases. You know, they have okay. this 744 and it's 81 it's called. It's a connection factor that these judges will determine whether a respondent, that's a uh, respondent opposing a party, has a significant connection with a particular state. The court shall consider the following. The location of the respondent's family and other persons required to be not uh, notified of the guardianship proceedings. The length of the respondent's property. They want to know how long has the person on the property. So if you have a property in New, New York and you just want a vacation and your husband down here for a few weeks, now you're starting to talk about becoming their jurisdiction. Even though you're just down here vacationing, they're rewriting these laws to make sure you're in their jurisdiction if they want to grab you. Okay, the length of time that the respondent was physically present in that state is going to be critical. So when you're taking vacation, I'm hoping that they uh, are more have more clarity on this, how many days you can uh-huh. stay in another state without becoming um, a resident of that state. Right. At any point in time and direction of any absence, the extent of which the respondent has ties to that state, such as voting, they're going to start looking at voting registration, state or local tax returns, filing vehicle registration, driver license, social a social relationship, and receipts of services. So say you're down here vacation and you have receipts that you've been going to the car packer and medical for so many weeks, then you become a resident. Even though you're not a resident, they can uh, uh, clarify it in case you end up in a hospital and the doctor de- declares you incompetent. You're there. You're locked into that state. Even though you may oh, not wow. live full-time there, you're locked in that state. Wow. Now, see, the standard across the states, and I know this from experience, is it's 180 days from the state you came from before you lose your citizenship in that state. And it is 180 state days to the state you move to or you're in until you can achieve residency there. So apparently this is going to change, too, to facilitate what you're talking about. Yes. Now, okay. you can write this stuff down. I'm going to go as slow as I can because this is critical information. Your viewers need to understand. Now, this uh, Florida Senate bill, and I keep saying Florida because it's going to affect all states. It doesn't matter if you live in Florida. It's still going to affect you to some degree. The 744.82 is exclusive basis for jurisdiction. This part provides the exclusive jurisdiction basis for a court of this state to appoint a guardian for that adult, okay? And the Section 11, the Section 744.83 Florida statute is created to read the following. A jurisdiction, a court of this state has jurisdiction to determine uh, capacity, appointed a guardian, or undertake similar proceedings if any of the following applies. This state is to, uh, let's see, this state is the respondent's home state. Or the date a petition is filed. 
The state is a significant connection state, and the respondent does not have a home state or a um, court of that respondent. I want to stop there for a second. I'm very concerned about uh, immigrant families and children because a lot of people right. don't own homes. They just own rentals. They're going to be a major right. target for this. It's very scary for those those children. Um, wow. has declined to exercise jurisdiction because this state is a appropriate forum. And our veterans, too, it's very important because a lot of them, after coming back from the war, they have post-traumatic stress. They're on the streets. Uh, they're not getting proper services. It's a disgrace to them. And uh, they're going to be a major target, too, to this. Right. The response has a home state, but a petition for an appointment of order is not pending in a court of that state, meaning that, you know, um, yeah, that didn't make no sense what they wrote there. Okay. That doesn't make no sense. We'll bypass that. Okay. Another significant connection state is before the courts of this state makes the appointment of issue of order. you got to be careful about how long you stay because of the petition. If they start petitioning, you get out immediately. You don't sit there, and you don't allow them to examine you. A petition to determine incapacity appoints a guardian or the similars. You need to leave before that gets done. Similar proceeding is not filed in the respondent's home state because they can take a warrant out if you let it go past that petition proceeding. Oh, wow. To, to bring you back. This is what I'm talking about, this jurisdiction they're doing. So you have to be careful when they start these proceedings to get out. An objection Jeez, to the jurisdiction Christmas. of the court of the state is not filed by a person required to be notified of the proceeding, and the court of this state concludes that it is the appropriate forum at the count of considering the factors set forth in Section 74486. So there's wow. a lot of issues. You have to really study the jurisdiction. You have to you have to uh, evaluate how long you're going to be in a certain area. If you end up in the hospital, you get COVID or the flu, and a social worker wants to talk to you, always bring somebody with you to the hospital and refuse to talk to the social worker because they're starting the examination for the guardianship. That's just some warning signs there for you. Yes, yes. That's one of the things, Peggy, I tell people. If you you go in the hospital, and if you're over 50, they send in a social worker, whether you want it or not, to interview you. And I always tell people when that person shows up, ask them politely to leave. If you have a phone, videotape it, that you ask them to leave, and you are not granting any interviews. The reason for this is, even if you will not be interviewed by them, they'll go back and write up a report as if they did, and you show signs of abuse, and you're this, and you're that. And they never spoke to you because you put them out of the room. So I just want to keep that phone handy so you can videotape what's going on. Yeah. And uh, But and these people thing, are the door openers. Yeah, go ahead. I think laws need to be changed in the hospitals too, Marty. Because like say you go in and stuff and they falsify all these allegations and stuff. It should be a recording. Now, you should have some kind of recording on your ban or something. I don't know how the HIPAA laws would affect that, but you have to protect the elderly and the disabled. And I believe we need to come up with a system where everything is recorded and that patient's family that's got power of attorney gets that recording immediately so they can't alter the video or the transcript 
to protect right. the, the person in the hospital. We need to start uh, upping uh, security to protect the elderly and the disabled in those hospitals. And in the court well, proceedings, they can always yes. alter the transcript, and there's nothing you can do about it. Well, I didn't say that, but they altered it. You know, we need TVs yeah. in the courtrooms to monitor the judge's misconduct, and we need to remove those judges when they do misconduct. And, and if it's criminal, they need to go to prison. We need to start setting up resolutions for people that are victimized through the system. Right. Um, one of the things I keep trying to get across to people is HIPAA. The HIPAA law does not protect patient privacy, although that's the way it's sold and marketed to the public. You can't get your medical file, but that guardian can. And the thing is, when they say that, you know, it's a violation of the HIPAA laws and patient privacy, once a person is guardianized, the person whose privacy is being protected is the guardian who has assumed the name of the victim. And they will tell you, we've had cases where guardians of somebody had made the remark about, that's my mother, and the guardian said, I'm your mother now. And, um, you know, things like this. But HIPAA is not about protecting patient privacy. That's the way they sold it, and gosh, doesn't it sound good? It's about protecting the medical industry and others from wrongdoing and being sued for it. Like medical mistakes, hospital-acquired infections, uh, you know, surgeries they didn't need, drugging, over-drugging. The, the, it's to protect them. This is not about protecting you, but it sounds good, doesn't it? And we've got a bill coming out, uh, and I can't remember the number on it, but I'll have something up on it in the next couple of days, where they want to make all your medical files available to the federal government. There went your HIPAA privacy so that they can track who's been vaccinated and who hasn't issued passports accordingly. So your 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 medical files are for sale to the highest bidder. It's just you who can't access them. But anyway, go ahead. I did hear about that, Marty, and I'm looking it up because I was trying to get that Senate bill to you because uh, my sister sent it to me, and she said, did you see the Senate bill where the government is trying to waive the HIPAA? Laws and I mm-hmm. sent it to me, and I didn't have time to read it. And I'm trying to scroll down real quick and try to grab that Senate bill for you. Hang on one second. We'll see if I can find it here real quick. Well, see, and that's because the thing about this new bill they've got. If they pass it, they have to strike down HIPAA or admit that it never was meant to protect the patient. Um, either way, they're sunk. Uh, but you have no pre and see. And, this will not be just limited to the federal government. It will be a pay-for-play system. Anybody who has the right amount of money will be able to access your files, which they pretty much can now. Well, they, that's how the banks, that's how they do in these guardianships. As soon as they turn over that verified inventory, what happens is that professional guardian uh, can automatically, uh, and this is not in the court uh, proceedings too, and this is disturbing too, and that needs a change. Where we never see that, but the professional guardians goes to the bank, and then they 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 give them the verified uh, audit that they are now the professional guardians and over their assets, and they give the insurance bond to the bank. Then they're able to to take all the money and start controlling yep. it, their bank accounts right. and stuff. And we need to figure a way uh, to stop that until appeal process comes because. 
people don't understand that there's a bond out there that you can use whenever you're you're opposing a guardianship. You can get a, a bond, a petition. It's a judicial bond that you get, and what you do is you hold that bond and say, look, we're not we're not doing anything until we file an appeal process that protects that uh, ward from being liquidated from that professional guardian. So people need to um, start looking into that to protect themselves. Because sometimes they liquidate it so fast, you don't see your money ever, and yeah. you don't see the, the, the ward. It's very scary. Right. Well, I'll tell you another one, too. When you're filing complaints against attorneys, you need to go after their bond because they have to carry one, and they, a, a surety bond. And you have to complain to the Bar Association and be able to prove that you did and that they failed to act. And they need three complaints. They'll pull their bond. And once they pull their bond, they're not able to conduct business. If they don't get their so-called license, they don't have one anyway, uh, pulled. And, and I'll say this again. They do not have a license. What they have is a bar union dues card. That's all. And yeah. so, uh, but they can, they can pull that. And uh, and then sanction you, and uh, or disbar you, but in either case you still don't have a license to be dealt with. You're a member of the bar, but you don't have a license from the, only the state can license, and they don't do that. But um, that's the way. Like people say, I went to the bar association, and they didn't do anything. Well, the other thing that you do is once you complain, and it takes three complaints, you go to after their surety bond and file your complaint to show where you contacted the Bar Association. And, um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that is scary, and that is a great, great that you pointed that out. And, you know, maybe we could save a lot of people, um, you know, giving that information to them. Um, and also um, trying to do some research on the resident agent, the attorney, they also get money from the federal um, agencies uh, from the governor's office, uh, even if they don't ever say they take the, the person, they do the inventory of the ward, and they become the resident agent, they still receive money regardless if they're doing uh, anything for that ward or not. That needs to be defunded, abolished completely there. With the law well, and that's, that's what a lot of people don't understand, Peggy. Is it just the estate that they are tapping? They're getting, like, state funding, federal funding, grants. They're getting this, that, and something else. But there are several different revenue streams associated with doing this, which should tell you that this is the government uh, who's who's facilitating all of this. And, that, you know, I keep trying to get that across to people that, you know, that talk about the destruction of the traditional family. They keep trying to blame gay people and this person and that. You don't know those people. They aren't doing anything to you. The only people with the power to destroy the traditional family is the government, and they're doing a fine job of it. So. Yeah, in Miami, Florida, uh, they have at least 2,800 wards a month coming through. Uh, that county alone, can you imagine over 2,800 people coming in a month and being victims of guardianship? It's a staggering amount of money. Yeah. And, and people that will be dumped in. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
it, you know, and what what they're doing is, uh, I was listening to a seminar last night of some some doctors and some um, forensic accountings regarding guardianship, and they said the number one person that is targeted in the guardianship that they have found over there is women, because they're they're alone. They have very, you know, their normally their husband died before them. They left them the whole estate, the jury, and the the pictures and everything. So. You know, normally these real estate agents, you know, will target the women, and uh, they have a high percentage over there in Miami where women are being put in guardianships and being declared incompetent, and their whole state is liquidated. So that's just something to think about. Some of the things that these real estate and attorneys are looking for when they're going to target a victim. Well, I know they're in Florida. I don't know if they're still doing this, but here's some years back. They had scouts out, and they were looking for, for in high-dollar neighborhoods for sale signs, and then they'd go find out who owned that house. And they took that 95-year-old man um, who played golf every day, took him, guardianized him, sold his house. Uh, they said that he had to be incompetent because he was selling his house below market value. It took two years. I believe his first name was Tony, and I'm sorry, I can't recall his last to get him out, and he lasted about another year after that, but he had nothing left when he did get out. They had taken everything. But they do that. They scour these neighborhoods, look for for sale signs, find out who owns the house and what age group they are, and then they go after them. And if they're elderly, they they go after them. They do surveillance, too, on their homes, and they make sure they are singular, and they're by themselves. They make sure they go to church by themselves, the grocery store. And then they wait a few months, and then they start targeting them, and then they start petitioning because they want to make sure they're not going to have anybody opposing this fraudulent petition that they're going to do. That's very scary. And there's some things that we could do to protect ourselves. Um, You know, I've heard many other, other advocacies bringing up some good point and I start making notes that, that I think is good, like a wallet. Uh-huh. When you do a power of attorney or a health uh, directory, you want to use a little card and put it in your wallet. So in case you're in an accident, in case you're in a hospital, they already know those rights are already in place for that person. So they don't automatically start petitioning for guardianship. There's already an order in place. Now, not all the time will judge uh, obey that order, but some Ethical judges will follow that order, you know, and and keep that in place for the person, you know. And uh, Collier County, Florida, they don't do that here. But there is other places, I'm sure, of that are ethical and they do do that. Yeah, I keep trying to find them, Peggy, but you go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, you want to make sure that, you know, when you leave and go on vacation and you're you're thinking about doing some traveling near the holidays, Put it in your wallet. Keep it in there. Videotape. If if you know that you're fixing to update your will or power attorney, you want to make sure it's a current video and share it with the people that's in your will so that way the judge can't override it because that's your testimony. That's not hearsay. That is your testimony. And, and if you get that on court of record, you have to make sure your family members get that on court of record because they don't. That's one of the little tricks that judges and attorneys like to do. If they don't like to get it on court of record, so the evidence won't be there. So their goal is to make sure that you do not speak in the hearings so you can't provide uh, testimony 
in court so it could be on court of record. So make sure you object to the judge and make sure they say, look, we have our wishes on a video. We'd like to enter that in as evidence. We have recordings of what we want in evidence. You know, before they start declaring you, you need to have all this stuff in place because your testimony is very powerful and that will protect you to a point. Well, one of the things that, honest to God, has got to change and immediately has got to be stopped, and that is these hearing examiners discarding pre-standing legal instruments like POAs, wills, trusts, other instructions, and instituting their own or the ones of the guardian. Nobody should, those those documents are supposed to be sacrosanct. They are not to be tampered with. That is your last will and testament. And how who you want it to go to, we had a bill come out up in Minnesota here uh, two years ago, and it was a, an attempt to legitimize and make legal what they were doing anyway. And that was they were allowing the the probate court was allowing the guardian and the attorneys to discard um, funeral arrangements and they could make their own. And the other thing they could do there, this stuff just makes me sick. Anyway. um, Well, they do that in the state of Florida, uh, the Senator Kathleen Pasadona, you know, I would like to meet with her. I'd like to try to figure out why she decided to do what she decided. I don't, I'm not targeting anybody. She's a bar already. member. She's a bar I would, member. I she's like to she's working answer. for the bar. She yeah. wrote a bill, which I think is so dangerous to the families, and I can't understand why she did that, where if a guardian petitions to cremate the body, uh, that doesn't give the family much time to petition to figure out what happened to that ward. They automatically right. remake the body, and that's very dangerous, I feel. That's not protecting the ward. You want to make no. sure that ward died of natural causes and nothing else, right? If right. I right. am going to be over a guardianship committee, I'm going to make sure that everything is fall to the T because I'm responsible. It's just like my child. You want to make sure that child is well taken care of, and these people that are placing that, these uh, wards, of the state, they should be given the same respect, and, and but they're not. It's very scary yeah. that a professional guardian can cremate your loved ones, not notify you, not tell you where they put them. It's just so disrespectful. I think there's something yeah. else, and I think I've talked about this before. And I've been working with Marcia Southwick from NASCA on this, and that's the selling of body parts. They're doing this all over the – because this is huge business. And I'm wondering if in many of these guardianship cases where they don't notify the family for weeks or months after the person has died, then they claim, oh, we, we cremated them and, they're, you know, threw the ashes in the wind, if, in fact, they are not selling the bodies. And uh, because I have it's like several, yeah, I have heard of several um, cases of Florida where they did do that. It's very, mm-hmm. very scary. And, so well, the other thing they, yes, so they've found a way, even at the end of life, to make a buck. And I do think, more than likely, knowing how predatory this bunch is, and how without morals or integrity or any kind of common sense, 
or decency. It wouldn't be at all out of range for them to do exactly this. They, the person passes away. You're not notified. You can't see them. You can't talk to them. As far as all you know, they're still there. And then sometime later, you're notified, oh, they died. And we had them cremated. What I was going to tell you about Minnesota was they were trying to legitimize, legalize the idea that a guardian and that probate judge could discard the beneficiaries on a will or a trust and name their own choosing, someone of their own, even if it was themselves. Now, how much more corrupt are you going to get? Now, that bill failed that time around, but whether they brought it up again, I don't know. Um, but they're trying to, and you have to watch, this is what I say about reading these bills. Don't go by the title, and just because a senator representative might have talked to you at one time, that doesn't mean squat. These people are not your friends. They don't care what you think. You're just a tool. And read the bills, because what they claim they're about and what's in them, and I keep telling people too, once a bill is tabled and registered for a hearing, it can be amended 10,000 times without notice to you. And what gets passed, yeah, they, if it does, there's no resemblance do, to the bill. Go ahead. And just that's what happened to that 1032 when they started doing adding all those commission codes to it. You never got no notice of that. That's, that's no. how we do it. Yep, and so I've seen I've seen advocates put together very very good hard hitting bills, plain language. By the time they yeah, got done and with the time it, it was got to the house they watered it down, and that's another thing that needs to stop. They should not be allowed to water it down because when the senators write these Senate bills, they don't water it down. Well, the senators don't write bills. Um, they hire people to write bills, usually members of the Bar Association, and uh, but they don't write bills. And you look at these long ones, that, like this one that came out there in Florida for this supported decision-making, almost a 1,000 lines of absolutely insane crap about when you could, how you could, how you had to do it, how not to do it. Uh, you know, if it was snowing outside, you couldn't do it. Um, you could not possibly meet the criteria in that bill because if they didn't catch you in one section, they'd catch you in the next section, and they'd cut you off. You can't do that. They, the last thing they want is supported decision-making, and it's like I said, the National Bar Association has started talking about supported decision-making, and they think it's a wonderful idea. And in fact, they're taking credit for it, Peggy, and they said in their last line, and this this should be a wonderful working plan as long as there's a good guardian overseeing everything. Right back where we started. And, right and that's another started. thing I want to bring up. These attorneys will never, ever write anything to legislation to abolish it because they're making millions of dollars off these victims, these wards. And that's why they want to be the resident agent so they can help defraud the state. See, they have to be the registered agent, registered agent, excuse me, to be able to take advantage of all this stuff. And that's another thing they're trying to, uh, this jurisdiction, this guardianship jurisdiction act they just now, uh, they're passing, is they're trying to make it harder for the families in the wards to detect the fraud by making it all over the jurisdiction, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Making it work. You can't look in files like, say, 
North Carolina has a guardianship on you. Well, North Carolina has to, if they agree to this interstate uh, jurisdiction, they have to follow mm-hmm. the rules. Say, say if Florida has co- uh, confidential, uh, confidential records and North Carolina don't, well, North Carolina then says, well, you can't see your records no more because we have to follow the right. interstate jurisdiction. Right. And that's going to follow suit with all these other states because we know that there's so much corruption in these guardianships that's happening in uh, Florida, uh, Nevada, um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, California. I mean, they're all over the place, but they're more in certain right. areas than others. Well, that's what I said. This is nothing more than a remaking of the uniform guardianship laws that they were pushing. Oh, this is such a good deal. This would make the law same in every state. No, this deprives each state of making its own decision about this. And all this is is a door opener so these predators can fly across state lines, prey on people, and do their magic in that state. Um, It basically... It allows them to to become a, a nationwide predator. Is all it does. Exactly, and you know that's just like you're you're going to be scared because it, it doesn't give you clarity of how long you are going to be on vacation here before that state considers you a resident of that state, and it's going to happen all right. over the place. So everyone has to be very careful when they're traveling anymore because keeping your wallet, your power of attorney. Keep a video in your dashboard to protect you just in case you're in a car accident. Law enforcement, we're look, the first place they look is um, for your register of deeds. They'll find that videotape, label it in case you're in a coma mm-hmm. and can't speak for yourself. They can identify you that way, too, is a good idea. Yeah, good idea. Good idea. So, you know, there's some things we can do to protect yourself, but uh, until we take this to a federal level, until, like you said the other night, the, the, the COVID-19, we have millions upon millions of people out there uh, demanding accountability from all the people that have been killed, all the people that are vaccinated. It's causing the disease to spread over to the people that's not vaccinated. Uh, there's millions yep. of people out there fighting for their civil rights, but it really shocks me that nobody is taking these guardianships seriously because once this passes, Everyone is going to be a target. Everyone. It doesn't yep. matter if you yep. own an acre of land. You're a target now for these people. Right. Right. And that's just and, it, too. It's all about how to make everybody susceptible to the system without any defense. Yeah. So the only way we can protect ourselves at this point is go federal and uh, by the millions, like I told you, if we get 100,000 signatures, we can. they will put us on the ballot. If you don't get 1,000 okay. uh, signatures, you don't go on that ballot. And this is major movement for all of us to protect ourselves. So I'm going to be coming out and, uh, you know, filing the petition because, you know, no government should own us. And, you know, it's a very deceptive what they're doing to the elderly and disabled. Just sign this statutory consent. Most people don't even know what that is. But when yeah. they sign it and then they read it, I don't understand why they go they go further and uh, just give it back to them. If I started reading a document where it's saying, okay, if we harm you, I'm going to uh, – uh, you can't sue us or you can't sue anybody. I would rip it up and run like crazy. I wouldn't just yeah. stand there. 
and, and let somebody yep. own me. And I just can't understand people. Well, and the other thing is, too, uh, these, especially in probate, where you have a hearing examiner, but even no judge of the law can order you to put your signature to anything. That you cannot do that. And that's another thing. A signature line is a corporate term. A signature is applied to contract. Okay? So just like in this statutory agreement, you are contracting with them to allow them to do whatever they want, and you won't take any recourse. That's the contract. If anything that you sign, scribble out that word signature and put autograph. That means no contract is implied. You're not agreeing to anything other than you read the document. And um, But I just, like you say, Peggy, on the, that statutory law thing, I, I wouldn't sign that on a bet under any circumstances. But. No, people need to be very careful. And uh, these politicians, not all of them, not all of them agree with this. A lot of uh, politicians I've heard believe that a power of attorney is ad- adequate enough. You don't need all that. That's taking people's federal lives. I've heard a lot of senators that don't agree with these support decision-making. So those right. are the senators that we want on our team to bat for us and the federal level and stay away from these other people they're writing these bills to take our federal rights away from us, to own us, to steal our estate and do it legally. And it's racketeering enterprise. I don't care how you label it. If you send right. a fax over to another state and request information, that's uh, wire fraud, mail fraud. You know, if somebody's not mm-hmm. uh, disabled or they're not living in that jurisdiction, it's still fraud, no matter how you want to slice yeah. the pie. Exactly. Yes. I want to look up something just, real quick because you mentioned something that might help your viewers um, protect yourself in court. I did this one time. I want to make sure I tell you the correct uh, statute. Okay. It says UCC uh, I put on all court dockets. It's the transfer. It's either I use a UCC 203 or 208. I'm trying to look that up to see which one, uh, so, which means you don't contract contract with the government. Uh, like right. if they get you in court, you say, excuse me, judge, I object under the UCC 203 or 208. I can't remember uh, which one it is, that I will not contract with you. You can look it up. I can't find it. My computer's so slow. Exactly. I try to work while I'm talking. But they say yeah. there's a uh, code that people can use, and the judges have to abide by that because it's federal. Uh, it protects oh. you to the federal. When they first started doing that, it used to pass, like in the um, 1900s and stuff, people were using this code when um, it first came out. Sovereignty. Uh, the sovereignty uh, people use this all the time, that they do not contract and the government doesn't have jurisdiction over them, and the states have to abide by that code. So that might be something else that the, uh, your viewers can use. And, and to prove my point, somebody just questioned me here on uh, this thing, what I said about these uh, hearing examiners and probate are not judges of the law. They are not. If you think I'm wrong... Next time you're in a probate tribunal, you ask that 
judge for his oath of office, they're required to have one on file. A hearing examiner does not need one. Now, one of two things has to happen. Either they have to admit they don't have one on file, which is a tacit admission they are not a judge of the law, or they have to basically recuse themselves. They've presented themselves in fraud. Uh, I was in a case here some years ago, and um, the examiner said, he called me by my first name, and I called him by his first name. And he said, you'll call me judge. I said, if you were a judge, I would. And he looked at me, he said, I am a judge. I said, no, you're not. You're a hearing examiner. You're misrepresenting yourself. That's fraud. And he got up and left the room. Um, Ask for their oath of office. If they're asked for it, they must present it or tell you where it's on file. But they can't because they don't have one. uh, That is true because I'm going to tell you, I can verify that for you, Marty. I went over to the the commissioner's office over in Collier County, and I had asked for every judge's bond because I wanted to verify they had a bond. You know, they could not ver- they could not provide, not one right. to me. So they don't right. have Right, there bonds. you go. Nope. And they claim they do, but they don't. Nope. I've seen one bond and- one time, and it was through Candace, attorney out in Texas. And I th- I've only seen one bond in the last four years of doing legal research. That's wow. pretty scary. Yeah, it is. It is, and we've got too many people sitting in these positions that aren't qualified to catch dogs, much less be making decisions about somebody else's life. And But you have to find people that have low morals, no integrity, um, low self-esteem. These are the only people that can fill these positions because anybody that has any of those qualities couldn't abide it. They couldn't do it. And, What's um, so scary, Marty? You think about this. You lived your whole life. You, you're you're competent. You can take care of yourself. So if you get one of these, when this new law uh, comes in effect in January, and this this law, the, these people think, oh, you got a nice place. We want it. You know, mm-hmm. they target you and take your stuff. Now the whole time you've been on the radio talking, very intelligent and everything else, uh, they'll target you and yes. and defraud you. And who's going to protect you? You know, this exactly. is why they have to be abolished because I don't see anyone protecting the wards but stealing from them, harming them, killing them, over-medicating them, torturing them, harvesting their organs from the research I've done. So yep. I don't understand the mindset of a judge, how she can justify or he can justify after all these years of caring for your loved ones, then, then you no longer can make the right decision. We can because we need your money. It's all about money. And, you know, that is why I pray that we get a movement going. And I pray that Britney Spears really starts advocating. She is very, um, you know, she's a victim, so she knows how it feels. She has a lot of connections. And we need people like her to advocate for people like us to bring down this system to close it up. Right. And we've got another big case coming up, too, which has been cooking for a while, and that's Nichelle Nichols, that um, she was Lieutenant O'Hara on Star Trek. And her I son, heard about that case. 
yeah, has basically taken over her life. And um, but uh, it, this is just I, we're all in so much trouble here. The other thing that concerns me, and I don't, I still have not done this, and I I will get to it, is checking on the state of Virginia. Last year, early last year, was looking at passing a bill that if you come into the hospital, you lose all rights to make your own medical decisions. It's all made by the hospital. Um, That would scare the bejesus out of all of us. Um, You know, I have a very rigid uh, stand on medical treatment. Uh, (laughs) I truly do. Uh, Don't go to the doctor unless you're on your deathbed, and then don't take any of the medications they give you because they're probably trying to kill you. And... um, uh, you know, here recently I was at the doctor, and they called me to see how I was a few days later. And the remark was made, said, my God, for your age, you are in good shape. Yeah, I am. No, no high blood pressure, no diabetes, none of that stuff. But the response always is, and I see too many elderly people falling into this, well, we need to put you on a preventative to make sure you don't get it. I'm doing that myself. I don't need you. Uh, But they'll start taking those medications. And then the other thing, like on isolation, I put up that article here last week, the week before, on Biderman's methods of coercion. And the reason I published it and wrote about it was what I was looking at, Peggy, was exactly the criteria uh, that these predators follow, the isolation, the terrorizing, the psychological, you know, we call it trauma-based bonding. Uh, the constant threats and how to break somebody down. And that's basically the military uses it on prisoners of war. And this is exactly what they're using. Say what? I said the FBI uses that too. You know, they actually have a um, um, a, a policy, a manual, where, you know, that's what they do to victims. I can't believe they write things like that up and nobody questions this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is it. this is what happens to the elderly when they get in these situations. And like I say, Peggy, here comes all these bills. Some of them, if it wasn't so tragic that it does nothing, would almost be laughable. Did you really think I'd buy this? This does nothing. Nothing. They will not mention the word isolation. They will not mention mental torture. They will not mention estate theft. They will not mention these ridiculous fees or making the victim pay for his persecutors. I, the dishonesty well, is staggering. That scares me is once they declare this person, even if they're not mental, say you know they get raped or they get tortured, and this person tries to go to law enforcement and say, "Look, I've just been attacked. Help me." Yeah, and. Say the guardian comes up to the officer and says, don't pay her no attention or him no attention. We got paperwork on him. And you know what law enforcement will do? Can't do anything about it because it's a civil action. Even though this woman might have been attacked and raped in front Mm -hmm. of the officer, he won't do anything about it because she is declared mental. Mental people under the mental laws do not have no right. Whatsoever, if a person is attacked, this is so scary to these people that are writing these bills that are supposed to protect the public, but it does the opposite. Yeah. 
it there it just um i I don't even know what to say, and that was one thing I learned too here a few years ago when that um it was the Grassley bill that came out, the Elder Justice and Protection Act, and I went back and forth with the d o j and reminded them that under the non delegation authority which this bill charged them with doing. They were supposed to develop model legislation on guardianship. You cannot delegate your lawmaking to to another agency or individual. And so we went around and around about that. And uh, But the thing is, uh, these bills come out, and you see more of this re- most recent one that came out uh, down there in Florida. And it... Um, what it does is it creates more agencies, more funding, grants, everything. It goes against the victim. It goes against is to protect the predators. And it's to keep them funded and empowered. What we need is something that says if a person is seized under one of these guardianships, if they call the police, the police must intervene on their behalf until – you know, is something secures the idea that they should be but, taken hostage, but, see, but they but won't. See, Marty, this is the this is the problem, because when the DOJ wrote that policy with Department of Children and Family to allow the the sheriff of each county to be over the investigation of a like abuse comes in, or a petition of a guardianship, a guardianship law enforcement, the sheriff has the jurisdiction now to investigate. They're not doing uh-huh. anything. And then no. if they do investigate, like I was telling you a few weeks ago, uh, it, you know, they, they're not by law allowed to let you look at what they wrote in there because under the right. disclosure and confidential clause DCS has with them contracted, you know, it's a one-sided. These victims have no recourse. No. No, they don't. You know, and... And I was so shocked that the DOJ got involved because the DOJ should be staying away from all these other agencies because they need to not be biased because they thousands of complaints going into the DOJ about uh, human rights, uh, uh, yeah. slavery, uh, you know, all kinds of uh, federal crimes being committed against victims every day mm-hmm. and people being sent to prison that never committed a crime. But then they turn around right. and go to the courts that did victimize them instead of investigating them. They just give them warnings. So I yeah. think the whole system needs to be abolished. The whole system needs to be abolished, and we need to start from scratch. There you go. And set up a system that actually is equitable and treats and these people works. fairly. And um, the idea of just going out and routinely – Picking out someone who has assets that you want and targeting them and then uh, stealing all their assets with the blessings of this probate tribunal, that has to stop. And there needs to be laws put in place that if you participate in what you're calling RICO, which I agree with you, you get prosecuted. And there is a penalty, and it isn't getting a slap on the wrist to go home with your benefits. See, I believe 100%. These attorneys did that because these RICO is it's where people uh, commit federal crimes against state lines and stuff, okay? And this mm-hmm. is why I believe these attorneys in Florida, because there's so much human sex trafficking 
and uh, harvesting uh, organs in these guardianship cases in Florida, they had to come up with a way to protect themselves so they don't fall yeah. under the umbrella as a RICO to protect themselves. So you... now the DOJ will not prosecute them because of this bill that just came out. This is critical, right. and it needs to be abolished because it is basically giving them permission to commit these federal crimes, and we have no yes. recourse. Yes, exactly, exactly. And you're going to see more and more of this as more of us speak out about what's going on here. You're going to see more and more of it, bills that come out that protect the predators. And uh, it's just like when a good bill is presented, if you look at it and suddenly that senator representative that you thought you had the you know support of suddenly reverses course. Check the money trail. Go to OpenSecrets.org and look them up. See who's contributing to their campaign. And you see these massive donations from the bar associations, from the guardianship association, the nursing home associations. And suddenly everything's off the table. But listen, we've just got a few minutes here. Yeah, Peggy, um, give everybody uh, where, where they can find you on Facebook. and Yeah, you can uh, go to the Facebook business page. And we're on there, US, uh, USA Guardianship Task Force. It has okay. our telephone number there. It's area code 828-980-3467 if you're interested in doing a data research so we can go to the federal level with this to abolish this. Right. That's our goal or mission. And our email address is North Carolina Guardianships at gmail.com. Okay. And that's all small letters? Yes. And we'll also okay. be getting our website up very shortly here. I'm almost done with all this other security issues and yeah. uh, and giving you surveys because I need to get this started, and we need to do a major campaign to get people to do these surveys because federal legislation is going to require us to do this to see exactly how many victims are really out there because the state of Florida is saying it's just a handful of victims and it's really not no issues going on here Please. and we yeah. all know that's that's not true well and so do the people they're telling it to uh no it's not true uh peggy thanks for coming on again and we'll have you on again next week next wednesday night if you're available and um i want to remind everybody these shows are brought to you in coordination with marcel reed and the whistleblower summit um, we have a panel there each year and we're very thankful for that and we're working on so many things here through TS Radio, um, and I hope that you'll join us and contribute what you can, even if it's just your time. Um, sometimes that's what we need more than anything is extra hands. So, uh, Peggy, yeah. again, thank you. Thank you, everybody, You're for really tuning welcome. in. And um, we'll see you next week. Good night, everyone. Thank you. Have a great night. You too. Bye.